You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Nine years after the end of Dexter Morgan's life in Miami and eight seasons of one of the most successful and acclaimed Showtime series ever, The Dark Passenger has returned in this 10-part miniseries and true final season. Dexter New Blood follows the eponymous character effortlessly performed once more by Michael C. Hall as he gives into his inner need to kill. While once he was a blood splatter analyst for Miami Metro Police, we find Dexter right where we left him after the woefully unimpressive series finale, Sans Mountain Man Beard, in the fictional small town of Iron Lake, New York, hiding his identity under the name of Jim Lindsay, a clerk at a local wilderness sporting gear store, and a loving homage to the novelist and creator of Dexter, Jeff Lindsay. Dexter has a romantic relationship with the town's chief of police, Angela Bishop, and has been successfully suppressing his vigilante serial killer urges. Dexter's deceased sister, Deb, has replaced their father, Harry, as an imaginary presence he often speaks to. And in the first episode, his estranged son, Harrison, arrives unannounced, with mysterious motives. Meanwhile, a string of incidents around Iron Lake causes Dexter to fear that the dark passenger within him, and potentially within his son, will reveal itself. I am T.C. DeWitt of the Screener Squad, and I am ready to take my chances with the return of Dexter, with a hope and a wish that it makes up for past mistakes, along with my bloody good friends, Doggett. Darkly dreaming Doggett. Spider Mike. Howdy, howdy. And Ryan. What's up, everybody? Well, squad, has Dexter redeemed himself, or are we putting him on his own kill table? Let's do this. When they announced this miniseries, I was so hesitant, Mm -hmm. because the last... uh, How many seasons would you say when Dexter started being bad? Season four, The Trinity Killer, is the peak of this series. For sure. Season five's good, though. Five, in hindsight, wasn't bad. It's just that after the high of season four, everyone expecting five to be like an even higher peak. Season six, and then seven, and then, God, eight. It's just diminishing returns. Yeah. It just got worse and worse as time went. Like, the second they're like, uh, Jebra, you, you love your brother and you want to fuck him. It's like, what's happening? I don't want this. <laughs> your chemistry's Stop so it. electric, we might as well put you together on the show. What cracked me up is that they divorced, like, right before they decided to put that part of the plot line, which <laughs> cracked me up even further. So I was really worried. And then they announced that Michael C. Hall was coming back and that the original showrunner who did all of those great seasons was coming back. Mm. And I was just like, I am on board. I'm such a big fan of Dexter. I read all eight books. I started when book four was out. And so I read everything else as they came out. And I thought that had a great ending, which is why the show's ending was so disappointing to me. Mm. And so this... Is going to be split on some people, but when it's once it's over. But I really, really like this a lot. Yeah, I think the best way to describe the past seasons is to say Scott Buck worked on them. And if you don't know who Scott Buck is, everybody, Scott Buck worked on Inhumans, Iron Fist. Oh shit! Yeah, 
<laughs> we made all those shows. So that's the quality we dealt with for those last two seasons. And this right here, ooh, this is some pure daredevil shit. For me, the later seasons of Dexter, I think the biggest problem was they stopped making Dexter a, a challenging character. And they, they really, and I, I remember at the time watching through the show, I would always watch their behind the scenes little thing afterwards with Scott Buck. And he would always talk about Dexter as if he, he did see him as Batman. He, he, they did see him as he is a hero, plain and simple. That's it. It seemed like they didn't see him in that like gray area. Like I think Clyde Phillips does. And I think that's what works about this revival so well is I think that he just understands the character of Dexter a lot more. And yeah, I've seen a lot of divisiveness about this. I felt like it really, really worked perfectly. It fit into what I, how I see the character. It felt like a better continuation of those good seasons as we were just talking about. They didn't backtrack. They didn't take back what had happened. They committed to mm -hmm. dead being dead. They committed to him fleeing up north and picking him up where we left him off. After the fact. They committed to him not giving shit about his stepkids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing about Dexter. Is Dexter, like Ryan was saying, Dexter is not supposed to be Batman. He's not the Punisher. He's a psychopath. Eh, he's a little bit like Batman. Batman's pretty crazy. Well, a little bit. But he's a crazy person who had some fucked up issues, and his dad was just like, well... If you're going to kill, well, we might as well point you in the right, right direction. direction question. He reacted the way a Miami cop would react. And then you find out later on <laughs> throughout the show that even his dad was like, ah, this was a bad idea. <laughs> they they challenged it in this miniseries, in this, we're going to call it the final season. This season challenges that in a conversation of Dexter explaining what he does and being told, oh, you're like Batman. When you explain it without all the nitty-gritty details, sure, he sounds like a hero. But when you really look at what he does and why he does it, which is what this season really addresses and what the earlier seasons really addressed, he's not a good person. He really is a psychopath who is just trying his best to go only after other psychopaths. But he trips up and he makes mistakes. And the tropes of the Dexter series each season, it's always a matter of, okay... When's he going to slip up? What mm -hmm. mistake is he going to make? And when is this Jenga tower going to come crashing down? And the tension of the series at its best is always that, ooh, skin of your teeth, are you going to get away with it right here? And this whole season does that really well. I really think Clancy Brown plays the villain in this, and I think he's a good yeah. counterpart, a good antagonist to Dexter. And I think there's only one episode where it sags just a little bit, but it's just that lead into the final couple episodes that every Dexter season has. And what I loved about it so much is it really felt like, and I, I say this in a good way, I could see someone saying this in a negative way, but it felt like a greatest hits of Dexter. It felt like they yes. took a little bit of the first season, some elements of the second season and him being on the run, not to spoil too much, but obviously like that's an element of the season. The third season with Miguel Prado, and then obviously Clancy Brown, a villain, was kind of a, had a little bit of Trinity Killer in there. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think it all worked well. I think that... Clyde Phillips, in hindsight, after how long it's been, I think he was able to look back and see what worked well about the show and fixed it, at least for me. I really thought this was a much more satisfying way to end this show, and it did it for me. It really does take some of the best parts. It's it's very subtle, like the fact that Dexter's really into older serial killers. That's something he's interested in, and it's cool that the last villain he deals with is another serial killer who's gotten away with it for so long. 
Like, those are his goals. Yeah. What I love about them showing their specific processes, it is a lot of what I liked about some of those earlier seasons where it shows both sides of the killers really well. There's a great episode. I can't remember which specific episode it is, but it's the one where Kurt, played by Clancy Brown, is going through his process, but it's going wrong. And, like, you can tell he's like, I don't like this. Like, this is my process, and you're fucking with my process. And I think in the same episode, I can't remember if it's the same episode or not, Dexter himself is also trying to go through his process, but also getting fucked up <laughs> as well like going like this is my process i want to do this the way i want to like they're both enjoy what they do like, and that's what makes them fucked up is the fact that they're not killing because like oh justice or something it's just like no i just i love doing this a lot like this feeds my dark passenger there's a little bit of meta commentary in the process being messed up because dexter starts to go into his old habits and thinks wait there are certain things i used to do that i don't think i need to do anymore and then it becomes a question of, should you have stuck with the exact same way you did it before, or should you have tried something new? Because this show as a whole, Ryan, you said The Greatest Hits, which is a great way to put this, but they also add some new quick-cut editing. They don't have an opening credit sequence. Even as this begins, a lot of the things, the trademarks of Dexter as a series aren't there right away. And I noticed that immediately. They took away all the sexiness. <laughs> yeah, the it doesn't over. have the heat of Miami. All the Cuban sandwiches. Oh, the yeah. Cuban sandwiches. Replaced by tuna. <laughs> but over the course of the season, you watch the show and Dexter himself start becoming who he was, right? His uniform slowly comes back piece of clothing by piece of clothing. His technique starts coming back. The score starts returning. The camera tricks start returning. It's very well done as this homage to what made Dexter great and slowly finding its way back to it and giving us a much better satisfying final season overall than what we got. Yeah, it really makes you realize, man, you really ripped us off. <laughs> well, that's the thing about Dexter is that, like, Dexter's always been such a weird guy and seeing, like, him dealing with how his life was prior to deciding to do this again you're wondering just like how did he get this long into doing this mm -hmm. there's a cgi deer really early on this is white deer it was the closest thing he could get to his dark passenger was like hunting this thing but once that element was gone he's like well i want to hunt real badly <laughs> <kind of thing. laughs> and it just sort of happened it was a drug addict who was like well i've been clean for a long time and i <laughs> or a guy who's quit cigarettes he's like i'm using the patch all the time <laughs> and then he runs out of patches and he sees that box of cigarettes just staring him in the face and he's like well Maybe for old time's sake. I'll do a whole carton. Here we go. Yeah, and that's really what the show is at, for a lot of it. Is It's him dealing with this, as well as, you know, his son, who, man, they got a really good kid who looks a lot like Michael C. Hall. Yes, yes. Jack Alcott as Harrison is doing a remarkable job of capturing a lot of the mannerisms of Dexter, of Michael C. Hall, and he did his homework, and the direction on him is fantastic because there's tiny little things how he moves how he stands they comment on how he eats dexter even says wow he eats like me yeah that's an easy one but there's a bunch of little things in how jack alcott moves when he's questioning why he is the way he is if he's the same as dexter or not there's some really fine performance from jack alcott yeah there's a subtle thing they do with that character which is they avoid making the audience hate how kind of shitty he is sometimes like, yeah. we were talking about The Flash a while ago, and I was thinking about, like, Wally West in that show, and how for the first two seasons he had, like, this major chip on his shoulder towards his dad, 
And Harrison had it too, but you know he had a right to. And also right. Dexter kind of sucks, and he abandoned him and his brother and sisters. Yeah. <laughs> and the the way they stage all that is like there's never a point where you're ever like against him. Besides, you know the points where it's like. I think this kid might be crazy. I was very relieved that he didn't suck because you add a kid to a show and he's a teenager, but this could have gone a Riverdale direction and I was so glad it did not. He holds his own and he fits into Dexter's world as a character, as a series, like he'd always been He there. spoke Spanish. He spoke Spanish, yes. <laughs> I, that was one of the things, like, I actually didn't really know a lot about the series. I didn't look at, really look into it before going in. I kind of went in cold. And when they introduced his son, I was I was a little nervous, honestly, mm-hmm. right at the beginning. But immediately, like, just because of, I mean, Jack Alcott's, like, amazing, like, performance. It's similar to Dexter, but it, it, he, he still, like, felt like his own person and never felt like a caricature or, like, right. a, like a cheap imitation. And where they go with that character... I really love that, like, literally up until the final episode, you're not arguing. Like, I remember, like, having conversations with people who were watching the show along with me. You could really argue either way, like, how is this going to go? Like, is he going to kind of give into that dark passenger? Is it is it not going to happen at all? Like, they, they kept that suspense going up until the very end, at least for me. And I, I think that that was effective. Uh, Jennifer Carpenter comes back as... Goddamn right she does. Deb, the ghost Deb, which is exactly how I would have done it. So good. She's awesome. The stuff they do with her with the camera tricks and how she interacts with Dexter is so different than how Harry interacted with Dexter. Harry was always distant from Dexter whenever Dexter spoke to the ghost of Harry and Deb is in Dexter's face. She's suddenly manifesting different costumes and pointing guns at him and getting in his space and she is so in his head and in his heart and Jennifer Carpenter is just as amazing as she always is. She's fantastic because she's very much Dexter's view of her, this loving but also very tough on him. There's these moments that were, where she's just staring at him very lovingly that's just really sweet but also really fucked up in the fact that he's just like, this is what Deb would think about what I'm doing yeah. right now. Like, ah, oh, Deb, you know, I had to kill the guy. Like, fuck that guy. And she's just like, ah. like, like it's, She's it's his conscious. conscious but she's so great. It's really good, especially after the disservice they gave her character from season six and up, where she's like, mm-hmm. you know what? I oh, might yeah. want to fuck my brother. Oh, my God. <laughs> so weird, still. Additionally, cast here is Angela Bishop, played by Julia Jones, who plays Dexter's romantic love interest. She's the chief of police. She has a lot of Deb-isms. It makes sense why Dexter would have ended up with this woman. We don't get to see how they ended up together, but it absolutely makes sense why this is the person he's been drawn to. And... Julia Jones is great. All the performances in this entire season are great. I don't think there's one bad actor in this. But particularly, I liked what Julia Jones did and how they wrote the character of Angela as she goes on, like many people in Dexter's life each season, this roller coaster of trying to piece together some mystery. And as I said, there's a lot of Deb in her, so it makes sense why she is his romantic counterpart, his partner in a way, and all the conflict that comes with it. There's so many great, like, side characters that are just, like, because that's the other thing about Dexter deciding to start killing people again that's really risky, is he lives in a small town, mm-hmm. and everyone is constantly talking about what's going on. Like, when the first person who dies, everyone's like, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Like, no one knows what happened to so-and-so. And everyone starts talking, and it's he's a small just town. like, oh. <laughs> He didn't really think about it. He's just like, ah, oh, fuck, uh, <laughs> he's gone i don't know what to tell you <laughs> yeah the town is great it's full of characters much like the precinct was in miami 
there's a good ensemble that's always come with Dexter. And as that ensemble was picked off over a number of seasons, the show got weaker for it. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going to miss Vince Mizuko, the the other blood spatter oh, analyst. Yeah. <laughs> they have a great little single scene with another blood splatter expert that comes in and he comes and goes, but he leaves his mark as far as being entertaining as Vince had been, which is something Dexter always had, which is a dark sense of humor. There's some funny moments throughout the series, and this miniseries in particular, that dark humor has remained. It is interesting the only character they chose to have come back from the... They had like a dozen, so I guess they chose the most important one? Well, it's interesting to me that they chose that one, but he was always my favorite side character. I don't want to... You didn't like Quinn? Specifically. <laughs> Quinn. Well, yeah. I like... It's Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it's totally quite. No, like, this this specific character was very, very dear to my heart, and I was very happy that this character survived the entirety of Dexter when everyone else was dropping like flies. This season does lovingly pay tribute and show us glimpses of all the important people that have come before. With Harrison being involved, Rita is going to be an element, right? Mm-hmm. Circumstances being as they are as a final season, you want to do callbacks to everyone who came before certain killers who've come before, certain loved ones who've come before. I was surprised that certain people didn't show up. So there are some surprises to be had here. We're doing a really great job of not spoiling anything. I just want to say kudos to us. It's really hard. I, yeah, I'm worried about that coming into this. No, I'm actually impressed because what I want to do in selling this show to people who are listening to this review, if you're a fan of Dexter, if you have even considered watching this, you should, because this is going to give you what you didn't get before. You could skip from season four to this. <laughs> you really could, to be honest. Like yeah, You could just like fill in some gaps here and there, and you'll be fine. <laughs> There's not a lot of flashbacks to the other seasons. That's true, yeah. But even my girlfriend watched the show with me, and she had actually not seen previous seasons of the show, and I gave her like a quick little recap, but she was thoroughly entertained all the way through as well. So I think it could work in that way, too. If someone wanted to. That's what fine television should do. It should be able to stand on its own and only be better for having seen stuff that comes before. Ooh, we haven't talked mm-hmm. about the Tube Crime podcaster. I liked her. Oh, yeah. Oh, Molly, the murder fuck kill. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love True Crime, but I do love it when shows and movies shit all over them. <laughs> yeah, it felt like her character felt appropriate on Jamie Chung is the actress. She plays Molly Park, and she is a welcome breath of fresh air in not that the season was getting stagnant but when she pops in she's just that extra bit of spiciness to this the spiciness that the show is better for having her around something dexter's always done is it makes you like all the characters so then you worry about them every step of the way and this whole season keeps you guessing it does have that suspense it does have the tension of the best dexter seasons where you're like shit i don't know how it's gonna end and i don't know who's gonna get out of this alive yeah, 100%. Every time Clancy Brown's on screen, he plays this he plays this guy who's just like so sweet a lot of the times when when people are talking to him. He's just always like, "Ah, oh, I'm here to help you and, you know, pay it forward" kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then you find out how fucked up he is and you're just like, everything he said is so much more fucked up now. <laughs> just like Dexter. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we get into any more spoilery stuff, I'd love to just move into final thoughts here. So, Ryan, why don't you kick us off? When this was announced, I was also a little bit hesitant, like you were, Mike. But once I learned that Clyde Phillips was involved and knowing, he sort of talked about when the original original series ended, like his philosophy on the ending and how he would have liked to see it end. And based on that, I was kind of looking forward to this because I knew that he had a maybe a better understanding of the character that Scott Buck did and 
when this first came out in like 2006, I was like 14. And this was the very first edgy kind of darker cable TV show that I ever watched. So I have like a really like soft spot in my heart for it in a lot of ways. And the ending was just like completely painful to me. A lot of people talk about how much they hate the finale of the eighth season, but it was kind of going in that trajectory from like season six. This felt like redemption to me. And I think that they absolutely succeeded in their mission and like coming back and like sort of redeeming this for the fans. Now it definitely does suck that there are a lot of people who don't feel that way, but I think it, it nails the characters and it just the character of Dexter. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm going to give it, Nine out of ten goats named after famous painters. <laughs> Dog it. Well, guys, I have a very similar story, except I started watching Dexter when I was 11, and I feel like it's, it's shaped and formed me in different ways. <laughs> Uh-oh. But besides that, I really dug this season. It's Michael C. Hall, I don't see him in enough stuff, but when he pops up, he's always great, and one of his best roles, of course is uh, from Six Feet Under. But the second best role he's ever done is Dexter Morgan. And he's as fantastic as ever in this. Unlike shows like uh, You and stuff, what works in Dexter is that Dexter is an interesting character and all the characters surrounding him are also just as interesting. You can feel the consequences of every one of his actions in every episode, the ripple effects and everything. This is just something everybody should watch. You don't need to watch, you know, seasons five to eight. Just just <laughs> skip from four to this. You will have a great time. I, I would give this nine out of ten guns Dexter sold all over town. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Spider Mike. Yeah, this season is amazing. Like, the show itself, I discovered when I was, I think, 18. I, it was my friend's birthday. Somebody in his family gifted him the first couple seasons on DVD. And he's like, I've never seen the show in my entire life. <laughs> like, they just gave it to him for some reason. I was like, that's weird. Should we watch it? He's like, yeah, I guess. And we watched it. And I was like, oh, my God, this show's amazing. And then I, I kept watching it. And then after season four, I'm like, that was amazing. I can't wait what happens next. And then five was like, uh, that's, you know, it's a little airborne, but it's still good. It's still good. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> kind of thing. And then it just kept going. And then, yeah, uh, the way Bart just like, it's gone, Homer. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's long gone. And I just felt bad. And I, I hated it. And I, but I loved the books. I pre-ordered them as they came out. But yeah, I loved it. I loved everything about it. So when the show ended and the book series ended, I was like, man, I don't have anything else Dexter related. And then the Marvel came out with a small limited comic book series based on the book version of him where he goes to Australia, which was also really good. And I was like, okay, now I don't have anything left. <laughs> <laughs> and so when they announced this, I was like, man, I want this to be good so bad because I, I miss this character so much. This is the season series finale I wanted. This ending is going to split some people. I thought it was great, personally. Um, the book, it's its not as spectacular as an ending as the book, I guess is a good way of putting it. But it's exactly what would happen to Dexter eventually. I'm 100% glad with it. I will give it 9 out of 10 moments where he says, I'm a good fucking dad. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to me that Dexter is one of those shows that sort of creeps up on people and suddenly latches onto them and people became fans in various ways and whatnot. But for my final thoughts, here we go. One week after Dexter aired its series finale, after some rather disappointing seasons, Breaking Bad aired its finale after sticking the landing for five seasons with little more than a few missteps in the entirety of its series run. Dexter didn't stand a chance of topping Walter White's ending. No. 
even though Walter White exists, as Vince Gilligan has admitted, because of a character like Dexter, because of a show like Dexter specifically. But Dexter didn't stand a chance. It had peaked years ago, and I watched those two finales on the same night. So, whew, talk about a letdown. So coming back to Dexter all these years later, I was skeptical. But I had hope. I wanted something, anything at all, to make up for the finale we got from season eight. I wanted a story worthy of a farewell to Michael C. Hall after he had played this violent, murderous anti-hero so spectacularly. Even at the show's worst, he was always at the top of his game as an actor. I have had ideas since the finale of how I would write up a follow-up season, and this, this is what I wanted. All the benchmarks of Dexter are here. No, this is not the Trinity Killer of Season 4, but this is as good, if not better, than every story arc after Season 4. Michael C. Hall is as good as he ever was. Jennifer Carpenter is wonderful as can be and has reignited my crush in her. There are new camera tricks, editing tricks mixed in with the old fun, the dark humor, the suspense, wondering if Dexter's going to be found out, a worthy villain. This is all good. If you were a fan, come back to this. This put Dexter to rest in a much more satisfying way than Lumberjack Dexter did. As far as salvage jobs go, as apology seasons go, I am very, very satisfied with this, and I'm giving Dexter New Blood 9 out of 10 titanium pins. So what's the next Showtime revival, guys? Weeds, United States of Terra, Homeland? Oh, United States of Terra would be fun. Showtime has done this twice now. What was the other revival show they did that they actually got right? Twin, Twin Peaks? Peaks? Twin Peaks was the one we came up with, yeah. All right, Showtime, go ahead. Give us more. You, you Whatever you got in the vault, that was a disappointing ending. Let's do it. 